0: or your app and you'd like to open it up if you want to do that to mark chapter one we'll get there in a moment but before we do out of seven people that stood up just before every single person had a measure of healing and freedom come to their mortal body by the power of the holy spirit i just that was great let alone on top of that three were or two, and I think Wendy was down to a, like a one out of ten. Two uh, and Bren, two were two were completely. Oh, and Bren since then, Bren as well. So three out of that seven were completely healed, completely healed. I just think that you know, if news of that got out, if news of that actually got out, look out, <laughs> look out. Your life will get really busy if news if news of that gets out. Look out, because your life will get busy. And, and, and we're going to read about that in just a moment in Mark chapter 1. But before I get there, I do want to just make a statement or two um, and, um, before I get into the teaching. And, and I just want to uh, just address some of the things that are going on right now in our Australian media and context uh, some of you may have seen the ABC during the week and their report on domestic violence in regards to the church, and um, there were some interviews there with the with the guys in um, in in the church in Sydney, and um, and there's also if you're watching 60 Minutes later on tonight there'll be another article on 60 Minutes where 60 Minutes is going after another part of the body of Christ in Australia to. Um, um, you know s- uncovered domestic violence issues now um, I, I got no problem with the media doing that media can do whatever they want you know th- that's that's their job they want to put the spotlight on all sorts of stuff and they want to interpret how they interpret it though is where I would differ from the media but that's the media's role is to try and you know reflect a bit of what's going on in, in culture and and I'll be the, you know there is there is um, just like there has been, um abuse in the body of Christ with regards to children there is also a degree of domestic violence in the body of Christ that goes hidden we're not afraid of acknowledging that because we believe we're meant to actually address that and so this morning i want to make a statement to you and that you can freely articulate to whoever you'd like to along the way at the water bubbler at work in in your dinner table conversations with your workplace um, uh, friends in regards to who we are here at the vineyard. Now, as the senior pastors, as Nicole and I are the senior pastors of Pine River's Vineyard and as national directors of a movement of churches in Australia, we do not believe that anyone should remain in a relationship that is violent and abusive. We do not believe you should remain in that relationship and we will support and we do support any woman or person caught in a crisis of domestic violence and we will walk with you and we will help you find safety and healing for your life and we will offer to work with all parties that are involved in this. We do not condone the use of scripture to justify in any form emotional physical or spiritual abuse of any kind full stop now you're you're quite free to go and share that with anyone and everyone along the way when they say well you go to church what do you think what does your church think well firstly let me say when they say you go to church they're actually saying they don't know it but you do you are the church what do you think and this is what you can say, as the church, we do not condone in any way any violence, any emotional, physical, and spiritual abuse of any kind, and we do not condone using the Scripture to enforce any of that abuse. Okay, so you can be quite free to articulate that wherever you go with a sense of confidence that um, that that's, where you, that's who you belong to and that's what you're a part of. And you're not in any way... Um, fearful of anything being shone onto the body of christ in this nation we know we've got a long way to go to being everything that jesus has won us to become okay statement over i'll leave that over there let me just um if you've got your bible there or your app open it up mark chapter one and we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning uh, continuing on in this whole area of vision that Jesus is building in people's lives. If you don't have um, a Bible with you, it is or an app, it is on the screen there, and you, you can feel free to follow along as, as we read this out to you this morning. Mark chapter 1, and Mark's gospel is a fantastic gospel because the way he writes, he, he, he writes like a bull out of a gate. He's like, "Oh my goodness, this is all about Jesus." And he just like and it's like rapid fire, scene after scene after scene after scene try and keep up with Mark as he's writing. He's very excited about the revelation of who Jesus is. So Mark chapter 1 uh at the time uh verse 9, we're going to pick up in verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You're my Son, whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals And angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now as Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said and I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed and they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And as soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. And so he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left, and she began to wait on them. Then that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. Remember I told you, if news of what just happened to you this morning gets out, this is what happens. That's only if the news gets out. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also for this is why I have come. So they traveled throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Don't you love that? That I mean that is like an action-packed like report from Mark as to what was taking place with Jesus as he bursts onto the scene. Now there's I just want to say there's plenty of people over the years that I've met who I've had to change my mind about and my opinion of. Firstly, God. <laughs> I've had to change my mind about and my opinion about who God is numerous times. And just when I think I've got a handle on who I think God is, he then goes and pushes me just that little bit further to bring me into a deeper, wider, more um, maturing understanding of who, of who it is that I'm actually in a relationship with. And so God is continually inviting me to, you need to change your mind about this one, Kirk. You need to figure out, you know, I'm not like you think I am. And he keeps inviting me into this journey of more and more revelation about who he is and the way he goes about business. So along the way, I've had to change my mind about who God is a lot. I've also had to change my mind about myself. A lot and along the way as well how I understand myself for you know um, I, I most of us at some point along the way we will get asked to do something either in our work life our student life our home life where it may be for the first time we're actually having to do something we're unfamiliar with doing um, and um, so for example One of the things that Nicole and I are working through right now is we've never actually been the leaders of a whole group of churches across a whole nation. And so we've never been there. And now we're in this place where God is actually saying, you know what, you need to understand yourself differently so that you can speak into what I've called you to do. Sometimes if you're in a you know, as a husband or a wife, you need to understand. Sometimes God will invite you into a place in a space to so say you need to understand yourself differently, so that you can be a blessing to your family, as a son or a daughter, as a sibling, uh, as a what as an employee. As, you know, our employers aren't there just to pay our way. Our our relationship to our employer is also one where we can bring great esteem and honour to those who are carrying the responsibility to make sure there's provision for us and our labours are recompensed. We have the opportunity to bless and honour them and so we need to see ourselves differently rather than just, you know, having our employers as, you know, however we perceive them to be as the, the bill payer for us. Uh, they, we actually have an opportunity to see ourselves differently in relationship to our employers. I've had to change my mind a lot about God. I've had to change my mind a lot about how I understand myself. And I've had to change my, my understanding about the people around me a lot of the time as well. Have you ever... I, I, I'm not going to assume that I'm the only one, that when you meet someone, you automatically start profiling them. It's like, oh, yeah, got you figured. You're one of them. You belong to them. You behave like that, gotcha. And you put them in the box that you've just gone through and you profile them and you put them there. And it's not until somewhere else down the line that you actually see what you might call as a moment where you get to go, actually, they're not who I thought they were. There's something very different about that person. There's something very unique about that person. In fact, all those things that I actually was protecting myself from about that person, I need to let those go because I think they've got some good stuff that I need to bless my life. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you've had to change your mind about how you view others? Um, it was in 1994 when I first had to change my mind about God as a as a follower of His. Where I saw I saw a person right in front of me experience. Exactly what we did here this morning. God's kingdom came and healed them. Now the the, the healing that I witnessed in 1994 was quite a dramatic physical healing. A leg. This lady is in her senior years. She stood up. She was arched over. She had a big hump on her back and one leg shorter than the other. So much so that the shoe, one of her shoes, had a like a clog like this on the base of her shoe. Because her leg was so much shorter than the other. Well, we prayed, the kingdom came, her body, like, it, just the, remembering it, I can hear what was taking place. Her body made all sorts of terrible noise as the power of God came upon it and sinews started stretching and muscles started moving and the spine started straightening And it was cracking and making all sorts of... There's no other way to describe it except it was quite ugly. It was quite ugly to the ear to to actually hear this person being healed. But after about 45 minutes, this woman was completely healed of a lifelong physical condition that she had to the point where she couldn't wear her shoes home. The hump on her back was completely disappeared and her spine had straightened. Now, at that point... Right in front of my eyes, I made a confession out of my mouth. I said, God, I really don't know you, do I? And then he took me on a journey of wanting to help me understand I need to change my mind about him. I need to change my mind about my understanding of what it means to be in a relationship with him. And I need to change my mind about how it is that he actually wants me to partner with him in seeing people experience the power of his love and kingdom. I had to change my mind. And part of that for me was at the time I was doing my theological studies or coming towards the end of those theological studies, and a part of my theological framework that I'd built up here to be able to understand who God was and interpret God, it didn't, it didn't fit with what i just experienced. Because my framework had said that stuff doesn't happen. I was believing a whole line of thinking and reading of the scriptures where, oh, that was then, but now we have the Bible. This is now. And we don't need that. But that whole framework of thinking that I'd built as a support structure for my life, I had to, like, put the axe to it. (laughs) Because it it didn't cope with what I'd just seen about God. I, re- I remember having to let that go and start again. I've also had to learn along the way to actually begin to change my frameworks of understanding myself. See, for a long, long time, I understood myself to be, as Paul would use, um, he might use the language of, you know, um, the greatest of sinners, the greatest of sinners, Well, that's true. I was the greatest of sinners in my own eyes. But the thing was, after I met Jesus, he was actually trying to help me understand that I am no longer the greatest of sinners. But that because of his kingdom coming to me and me dying to him and his life now in me, I was now becoming the greatest of saints in God. And so I had to begin to look at myself differently and understand myself differently so that when I approach circumstances and situations of people in need or um, in physical need, spiritual or emotional need, my response is no longer, oh, well, I'm just the wrong bloke because I'm I'm a sinner. I'm a terrible guy. Who am I? To actually know I am now a saint in Christ who lives in me and actually as God brings me into this relationship and situation he has actually placed the resources of the resurrection of his kingdom within me and around me as an ambassador for that person's well-being so when God puts you on the job he puts you on the job because he's resourced you you're a saint you have we have to change Our thinking about that. 2 Corinthians 5 reads like this, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we don't any longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come or Christ, that person, is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us this message of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this very message. So if God is no longer counting your sin or my sin against us in Jesus Christ, why are we still counting our sin against us? Gotta let that thinking go. That's wrong thinking. God has God has raised us up in Christ by faith and in reality, in real time. His kingdom is upon us. So we've I've had to change my mind about a lot of things. And let me tell you, I'm a lifelong student. I'm still learning. I'm still learning how this plays out but one of the things that i love about the vineyard movement is that we are a people who are a kingdom people and we love to live under the generous rulership of king jesus and we want our worldview and our life practices to be shaped by him we are a people who learn to live with the kingdom being at hand let me just uh Uh, quickly shoot this one up here for you um so that's that's jesus there i've used this often and i think we need to off we need to revisit it often but the time has come jesus said the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe the good news now when jesus is saying that let me just put a little bit of context to this jesus is actually making a a very war-like declaration He's not just making a, like, oh, here's a nice statement for the sake of saying something. He's actually making a, ve- a very warlike statement because what he's doing is when, he's, and he, when he uses those words good news, the UN eu- Galleon, he's taking words and a phrase that belonged to Caesar. So Caesar, the Roman emperor, who was according to caesar who and, and roman culture who was divine and human so caesar was divine and human and caesar under, used that word un Galleon, good news and the way he would use it is he would send his his troops off to war in another part of the you know the region to extend his kingdom caesar would send his people out to war And then what would happen is his soldiers would advance the cause of Caesar in the earth and then what would happen is they would win that part of the land and then they would send back this guy who would run back to Rome, who would run back to Caesar yelling out this word, good news, good news, euangelion, euangelion the king has now extended the reach of his kingdom and he has now taken ownership of that land and all of the bounty that the king has just won in that land has now become the bounty of the people of the kingdom of Caesar. And you have not had to go and advance that for yourself, but Caesar has done it for you. And so therefore, you can now have the benefits of this good news of Caesar. So this is this is how they understood it. And so when Jesus comes in and he says you and Gallion, good news, he's actually in the face of Caesar. He's saying there is another king here now. There is another kingdom here now. And this kingdom is at work to sack another kingdom. To liberate all humanity and it's a work that you've not had to do for yourself but you do get the benefits of it. And you need to repent because this kingdom is at hand. And that word repent, Metanoia, means to think differently, to reconsider. And this is the big message in ministry that Jesus invites people to. To reconsider and change the way they view God, they view life and they view people and live a whole new way. Vineyard people are kingdom people. George Eldon Ladd used a little illustration like this. It's really important to review this stuff in your thinking and to review it in your relationship with Jesus often. Let me explain it to you like this. The kingdom of God has come in the person of Jesus... Everything that the prophets prophesied would come has come in the birth, life, ministry, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. All of that, in all of that work, the fullness of the promised Messiah of the kingdom that God said would come has come in the fullness of time. That's why in Mark 1 it says the time has come. Jesus is making a demarcation in the course of humanity he's saying this in the god's story this is the moment that we've all been waiting for it is fully come now and so the age to come where god would rid the world of sin disease disaster brokenness and sickness has now that future age that the prophet said would come has now come in jesus and we see that don't we wherever jesus goes just in that first little bit of a chapter we read he everywhere i love it how he goes to church and drives out demons don't i think that's a great way to associate what goes on at church he drives out demons he declares hey every other spiritual king that thinks it's king i'm letting you know you're not king anymore there is a new king here i am the the one that the, that god has said would come and bringing about my kingdom And we see him heal the sick, drive out demons, feed the poor, restore relationships, raise the dead, forgive sin, and so on and so on and so on. The age that everyone's been aching for has come. Now that has come in Jesus. And he had a message with that everywhere he went. I read it at the end of our scripture this morning. He says, I've got to go and preach this message. I've got to go and declare this message. See, and right through the scriptures... (laughs) Jesus just continues to talk about the kingdom has come. A lot of religious men and women want to make the message of the gospel about a lot of other things. But if you boil it down in its beauty and in its power, it is a simple message. The king has come and he has brought his kingdom with him. And it's now at hand. It has come, it's broken in upon us. You see there, we're living in the story of the bottom line there. Paul uses the language, this present evil age. In other words, it's been oppressed and under the oppression of a false king, of a demonic king, Satan. And it's that kingdom which the invasion of Jesus has come to break the power of, to establish the promise of God for all people once again. And so we live in that bottom line. But we live between that having come and the scriptures talk about the day when Jesus will return. And there will be a complete absence of all of this um, brokenness and sickness and and demonic work in the earth. That will all be gone. And so we we find ourselves living in that little phrase there George Ladd uses, between the times. We live between the times. We're people who live in the fullness of it and yet we're still living in the fullness of it yet coming it's a, a good way to describe it as like this on the fourth on the 6th of june in 1944 the allied forces rushed the coast of normandy that day was called d-day it is the day that the allied forces let their push go to and it's the day that history tells us is the day that the war was won it was that decisive act it was that move it was that that mobilization of resources men and men that broke the back of the german forces now that was june 6 1944 but the actual unconditional surrender of the german forces that marked that officially marked the end of world war 2 was the 7th of may or the 8th of may 1945 so nearly 12 months later d-day that that act broke the power of the enemy the unconditional surrender of the enemy didn't happen until nearly 12 months later victory was won and then victory was completed and so we live in that tension of the kingdom having come in jesus And then there will be this day of absolute unconditional surrender of the kingdom of darkness in all its completeness and the fullness of the king has come. So we now live in that place of kingdom conflict and battle. But we, the family of God, living under the kingship of Jesus, we live that the kingdom has come, it's been inaugurated, and it is soon coming. It will be fully consummated. Jesus declared this ministry and this reality, and he demonstrated this reality. And if if there's one thing that I think has been a gift to the body of Christ that the Vineyard Movement has brought along the way, is the understanding that we are a people who have a message and a ministry. Our message is that God's kingdom has come. Our ministry is, let me show you what it looks like to live under a good king who brings good news to all people. That is our gift in God to the body of Christ as the vineyard movement. That is our distinctive. And if people ask you, like, hey, what does it mean to belong to the vineyard? You can tell them that. You can tell them, well, our message is that the kingdom of God has come in all its fullness in Jesus. And now we get to, with Jesus, demonstrate to the world what that kingdom looks like as it's continuing to break into the world. It's a bit like when you go to a movie. The first, the first half an hour of going to the movies, what do you do? What do you watch? Previews. Previews. That's what we're doing. We're living the preview for people. And it's not until half, half an hour later that the movie actually starts. That's what the body of Christ is. That's what the disciples of Jesus are in the world. We're the preview community. We bring... Hey, come on, bring, don't bring popcorn because it's actually not. A, you're not going to get the chance to sit down and eat. Actually, if you come and engage in this thing, you're going to be mobilised and equipped and you're going to partner with Jesus in setting people free and bringing his kingdom. This is what it means to be followers of Jesus and this is what I love about being a disciple of his and in particular, um, the Vineyard Movement. Now... <clears throat> One of the things, one of the thinkings that I've had to let go of um, over the years has been the thinking that everything good is waiting for me in heaven. That is true, but it is not fully true. (laughs) There is a more full truth, and that is that the kingdom of heaven has come upon me in Jesus Christ, and now I don't have to wait until I die to get to access and experience the fullness of the good things of God in heaven. And in fact, God and and our future, the scriptures tell us, is not just about everyone exiting planet Earth, getting angel wings and flying around in heaven. The book of Ephesians actually teaches us in in Ephesians chapter 1 what the mission of God is. Let me read it to you. Ephesians 1, 9 through 10 reads this. He, God, has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in Jesus to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. And so let's keep those words of Jesus echoing in your ear, the time Has come. In other words, you're not waiting for anything else. It's come. There is fulfillment now in Christ Jesus. And that is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head Jesus Christ. God is actually interested in saving his created order. And he is reconciling both heaven and earth in Christ Jesus. It's not a case of treat the earth however you want because we're getting off this thing and we're going to be with heaven and get an angel wings. Actually, no. That's not how it flies. The scriptures are telling us that in Jesus, God is actually taking this this beautiful creation of his that has been marred by the power of sin and a false king who has come and sullied it and demonized it, which, by the way, humanity gave to him in the garden and said, yes, you be our king. And that God has now come and said, I'm restoring all of this to its right and proper place in Christ Jesus. That is why. It's right and proper that we have a full understanding of being kingdom players and kingdom stewards, not just of the soul of people, but including the soul of people for the here and the now and for our children and our children's children that they get to live in a planet Earth that is experiencing the kindness of God breaking in and bringing restoration to it. Disciples are people who are willing to have Jesus be their master on how they live life with God as king. And it's one of the great joys of being a vineyard person, a kingdom person, that we are given to also being equipped for the ministry of Jesus. That we are a people who declare and demonstrate that God is here in the way that we treat people and the way that we treat our surroundings and the way that we articulate that love of God. Verbally as well. I want you to close your eyes for just one moment. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would activate in all of us, just for just a, just a moment, a fresh release of vision to our heart for the people around you. And where God's got you living out, his kingdom. Because it's breaking in all over the earth because he wants to see our cities saved he wants to see our regions come into restoration and reconciliation he wants to see tribes, tongues, people groups falling in love with Jesus all over the world all over our street in which we live Holy Spirit, would you just, for just a moment, give our hearts a revelation of what the Father's love is doing right now in the very places and people where I do my life every day. Show show me, Holy Spirit, where the kingdom is coming. Show me, Lord. Holy Spirit, show us where things are not as you have willed them and where the enemy has ruined them and give me your heart. Show me my part in declaring good news into those situations and demonstrating the love of God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I was sitting in a lounge room in the, I don't know where it was, somewhere in the back end of Western Australia somewhere. There was a small group of people there and they had a guitar and they sang some songs to Jesus and out of the 12 people that were in the room, Half of them were in a relationship with Jesus, and the other half weren't. And as they sang these songs on a guitar, they then said, "Hey, listen, Kirk's going to share some things." And so I got up and I shared a few stories. And at, at at the end of it, we said, "I said, look, I think God wants to heal some people." And there was someone that came forward and said, "I need healing." They put their hand up and said, "I need healing." They had a bad back. And so we got them to sit in a chair and you could see that as they sat in the chair with their back up against the back of the chair and their seat right, they were sitting right in the back of the chair, That one leg was shorter than the other by about an inch. It was very evident. And I said, well, that's the reason for your sore back. Your hips are out of alignment and we just need to pray and ask Jesus to bring his kingdom for you. Now, this this person was not, a follower of Jesus. But they said, I've got pain. And so I said, well, let's pray. So we sat him on a chair in front of, it was just, this is a lounge room now. So it's a small group and we're all nice and cozy. Everyone had a front row seat. And then I said, well, let's just ask Jesus to bring his kingdom. And so I spoke to the legs and the hips and I just commanded them to receive the good news that the King has come to bring healing to this body. And at that, the gentleman who was sitting in the chair started to vibrate a little and he said, oh, something's happening to me. I said, that's right. (laughs) We've asked for the king to bring his kingdom. And then his leg grew. It grew out an inch. And at that, he was like over the moon. And next to him was this dear woman who was in her 80s, in her 80s. And she said to me, she said, what are you doing? I said, "Oh, we're just asking Jesus to heal this person here." And she says, "Does Jesus do that?" And I said, "Well yes, He does." And so we prayed, and she said, um, she said, "I have pain in my body, in my shoulders and in my knees." And I said, "Would you like Jesus to heal you too?" Now this woman was a um, Je- Jehovah's witness. So the person of the Holy Spirit to her is very foreign and the power and the presence of God is very foreign. And so I said, sure. So we got a few folk around, we prayed for her and the Spirit of the Lord fell on this dear woman who's in her 80s and she started weeping and crying. It was like, I don't know if you've ever put, um, it was like her eyeballs just were like size of saucers. They just, because the Holy Spirit touched her. And healing came into her shoulders. I said, what's happening? She said, I can feel all this heat and this power in my shoulders. I said, well, just try your shoulders out. And she's like doing this in the chair. And she's like, there's no more pain. There's no more pain. I'm like, that's great. That's because the king has come. That's because the kingdom is here. That's because Jesus loves you. And this is what Jesus loves to do. And this is what you now, and I said it to her. I said in her 80s, I said, this is what you now get to go and do for other people with Jesus. You get to go and do this. And she says, I get to do this? I say, yeah, you get to do this. Imagine being 80-something years old and having your first encounter of the Holy Spirit like that. And all of a sudden, her whole life of religious framework had to be completely rewired, completely And I mean, it was a pretty solid framework she had in place, let me tell you. But it was completely rewired by the love and the power and the message and the ministry of the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. This is what we get to do. This is what we get to participate in. That was just in the back end of a house somewhere in regional Western Australia. Um, It took me a GoPro to get there. Oh, not a GoPro, a TomTom to get there. So on my own, I would have never found the place. But it was there. And the kingdom came right there in that little lounge room for an 80-year-old woman and the guy that got healed too. His legs got healed. And he actually was came into relationship with Jesus as well. So it's like the kingdom's for everyone. The king is for everyone. There is the kingdom power available to everyone. Recently in my lounge room, just last Tuesday night, um, as my son was about to go to bed, he, w- he participated on s- last Sunday in a 10K race, a, r- a run, and he did amazingly well. But one of the effects of that run was he did a grade one tear to the tendon in his calf muscle that on, the, on his left leg, left or right leg, I can't quite remember now. He said, I'm off to bed. But at that point, he'd been hobbling for two days. He couldn't walk properly because he'd torn this tendon in the base of his calf. And I just said, hang on, mate, before you go to bed, let's just pray. And so me and Nick, we just laid hands on his calf and we just said, Lord, bring your kingdom. Calf, receive the kingdom of God and the power of the Lord. Receive that in Jesus' name. No, no big fanfare, no big, like, whoosh, whoosh, bells and whistle. And I said, bless you, mate. Have a great night's sleep tonight. Well, from that moment on, as he woke the next day, he had a huge measure of healing and restoration into his leg where he was no longer hobbling and he was moving. Now, we've complemented that with a little bit of physiotherapy as well after the fact, but he, there was a massive improvement because the king had come. That was in my lounge room. What's going on in your lounge room? What's going on in your home? Jesus went to um, Simon Andrew's house and it's like, what was going on in his home? Well, Jesus just picked up his mum-in-law by the hand and she was completely healed. What's going on in your home? And is the city busting on our door to get in on it? Or are we keeping this a secret? We've got a message that needs to be given And we've got a ministry that needs to come through our hands. We have a big vision here at the Vineyard. We have a very big vision. We want to be a people who, through loving relationships, heal and equip every disciple to advance the kingdom of God in Pine Rivers and this world. So you will unashamedly (laughs) be equipped and mobilised if you belong here at the Vineyard. And we we invest in that wholeheartedly. Friends, maybe today is a day where you need to rethink, reconsider, repent. Because the kingdom has come in Jesus. Give every aspect of your life over to the generous rule of Jesus. Maybe you need to repent, even as a Christian, for not willing to actually speak his message to people. Because it's actually good news. It's very good news for people who are sick, oppressed, downtrodden, and need life. Jesus is very good news. We're here, we here in the vineyard are kingdom people. And to finish with this little quote from Derek Morphew, it's one of my favourites, I love it. The enormity of knowing that the kingdom is here makes us the most optimistic, prophetic, visionary people on the earth. That is a great one. Brand that. I pray God brands that into your hearts and your heads, like by the power of his spirit, like a big, you know, cattle prod thing, just... That's my prayer. That would be seared into your thinking. It would be seared into your hearts. It would be seared into your lifestyles and practices. The enormity of knowing that the future age has actually come upon us in Jesus' And he now lives in us as king, makes us the most optimistic, prophetic, visionary people on earth. We're the people who have been given to this dynamic reign of Jesus as king. Now and until the day of unconditional surrender of the enemy. We live now in the fullness of this until the day of unconditional surrender of the enemy and the return of Christ. We live it. We are the people of the kingdom. Alrighty, let's... uh, Let's just pray and um, ask the Holy Spirit just to help us with changing our mind on a few of these things. God, I thank you for uh, the conversation that you're having with all of us today about the message and the ministry of the kingdom of God having come in Jesus. Holy Spirit, where we need to maybe change our mind about how we understand God, how we understand ourselves, and how we understand others would you help bring us into a greater freedom, truth, revelation and lifestyle of the kingdom of God? Come, Lord. In the simplicity of this moment, we, we let go of how we've boxed you and we welcome you to bring us into even more of an understanding of a greater understanding of what it means to live as disciples of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, just as I was praying, I feel like God said that um, if you want, it's, it's totally on your end, if you want, he'll fill your lounge room with a whole bunch of kingdom action. If, if you want. He's not saying you must or you have to. It's just if you want. If you want your lounge room, your home, your house, filled with the kingdom message and ministry of Jesus, your home, where you live, where people come and visit, where people come and have afternoon tea, have beers, have wine o'clock, whatever, when they come to your place, have fires, you name it. If you want, the king will bring his kingdom if, if you partner with him, if you want. So, Lord, as we head out of here today, for those of us who are saying, yep, I want that, I pray that even this week, this week, our lounge rooms all of a sudden will be filled with all kinds of people and kingdom breakthroughs for the greater glory of Jesus' name and for the well-being and healing of people's lives. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. All right, so look for it. Look for it, guys.